Welcome to the April 2013 episode of the Harvard Medical Labcast, science that's changing your world. This podcast is produced in Boston by Harvard Medical School's Office of Communications and External Relations. I'm Alyssa Neller. Today, I'll chat with a scientist motivated by both the prospect of treating disease and the thrill of discovery. Amy Wagers, a professor of stem cell and regenerative biology at Harvard and Jocelyn Diabetes Center, was drawn to her field by a personal experience as a graduate student. Here's an excerpt from her interview. So it was uh, about my third year in graduate school, and I was working in the lab, and I got a call from my mom, actually, who said someone called from the bone marrow transplant registry and is trying to get a hold of you. It turned out that I had matched with someone for a transplant. In the end, the patient decided not to go through with it. Uh, But I stay in the registry in case that person is still out there. And the end result was that it was a time when I was thinking about what I would do for the next step of my career. And I decided after reading about stem cell biology and about transplantation that that was the direction that I wanted to go. Has that patient remained on your mind as you've moved through your career? Obviously, this is a, you know, someone that I, I don't know and will never know, so it's more symbolic than anything else, but it's, it's a reminder that what we do every day has an impact and that ultimately the purpose of, of what we're doing is to improve human health and to help others. Aside from the potential therapeutic applications of your work, what motivates you as a scientist? What drives you every day? I think it's probably the same for, for many scientists, but it's this moment of discovery, right? So it's the, the moment in which you finally figure something out that you've been thinking about for a very long time, and the moment where you stand there and you think, right now, I am the only person in the world that knows this. So this thrill of discovery, do you think of yourself as an adventurer in some way? I guess so, yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it in that way, in the sense that as a scientist, we're trying not to just sort of search for adventure, but to do things in a, in a way that will be interpretable, in a way that's controlled. In, you know, so it's a, a slightly different type of adventure than you, you might think of in the Indiana Jones style. <laughs> a bit more methodical. A bit more, yes, and a methodical adventure. <laughs> I've actually read that you skydive. Ah, not professionally. <laughs> so that's a hobby? That's a hobby. That's a, um, that's a celebration, so important papers in the lab I celebrate by jumping out of an airplane. When did you start skydiving? When I started my faculty position. So my first paper as an independent faculty member was under review and it came back with really very positive reviews and this was at Nature. And I was talking with the first author of that paper about this and and I said, wouldn't this be amazing if the first paper out of my lab was published in Nature and if it's true, I'll go skydiving. And it was and I did. And I loved it. And uh, as soon as I hit the ground, I wanted to go up again. And so I decided that it was going to be a a tradition. Have other members of your lab gone with you? (laughs) So the tradition is that I always invite the first author. And apparently the tradition is also that the first author declines. (laughs) So, so far it's been only me. I love that you take time to celebrate these moments where you can really pause for a second and say, we've accomplished something. Do you think it's really important to acknowledge them? I think it's really important. And I think actually, in some ways, it's something that I learned first in graduate school. My PhD mentor was a new faculty member. So I was the first graduate student in his lab and we had a small lab. And uh, he started a tradition, which I carry on in my lab now, which is that for every paper that is published, we have a bottle of champagne in the lab and we toast it. And then I cut out the title of the paper and I paste it on the bottle and I put it up on a shelf in my office. 
and he did that for me when I was a graduate student. And so I could go into his office and we would talk about <clears throat> the challenges we were having in the projects, but I could look up on the shelf behind him and I could see these papers, you know, and it was always sort of a reminder that, you know, yeah, it's tough and there's things that you have to figure out, but eventually there's, there's a goal and there's, a, there's something that you celebrate at the end. Tell me about one of these more recent discoveries that was either published or just a moment that happened in your lab that was particularly thrilling. Mm. Yeah, I, I can tell you an, an old one. One of our earlier papers, it was actually published in 2008, was a paper about the use of muscle stem cells in transplantation as a, a therapeutic for uh, muscle disease in, the, in a mouse model of muscular dystrophy. So you were taking adult stem cells of the muscle and using them to treat a mouse with the equivalent of muscular dystrophy? Mm -hmm. that That's exactly right, yes. And so we were taking cells that we had purified from a normal animal, and we were transplanting into them into a mouse with this dystrophic disease, thinking that the stem cells would engraft in that muscle and reconstitute the muscle fibers and potentially improve muscle function. And so the postdoc in my lab who was doing these experiments had transplanted cells from a mouse that was marked with green fluorescent protein, so the cells were green, and taking them and put them into a dystrophic mouse, which was not green. So he was at the microscope looking for green muscle fibers. And I was down in my office, and I heard running down the hall, Amy, 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 Amy. And I came running out, and he said, come look at this. And we ran down the hall, and we looked in the microscope, and there was a huge field of green muscle fibers. He and I, I think, both jumped up and down <laughs> because it was so exciting. You know, it was sort of a, a prediction that we'd had, but we hadn't seen it in action. And so what was the next step with that work? Where has that led? In a couple of different directions. So now that we know that the cells are candidates for therapeutic transplantation for muscle, we've been working very hard to identify the human counterpart, and we're nearly there. The second issue is that the cells are very rare. We purify them directly from the muscle, and you need quite a, a lot of them. And so we've been working on understanding their biology and on I identifying small molecule compounds that can expand them. Do you think that we may see the use of these adult stem cells of the muscle in, in therapies within our lifetimes? It's always dangerous to make such predictions, I think. It's certainly something that we're working very hard on achieving. But the wonderful and the challenging thing about discovery is that you can't really put a timeline on it. <laughs> more about wagers, watch for the winter 2013 issue of Harvard Medicine Magazine, which will include a Q&A with her. This podcast is a production of Harvard Medical School's Office of Communications and External Relations, and we'd love to hear your comments on this program. Tell us what you think and see what other listeners are saying at hms.harvard.edu slash podcasts. To learn more about Harvard Medical School, its academic and research programs, and its affiliated hospitals and research institutes, visit hms.harvard.edu.